Good morning, everyone. Today, Bezot Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Samachay in Masechus Yivamos. Maybe we'll even get to Samachavav. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, Barry, but there's an end of a parak here that we see in sight. Yesterday, we started talking about something actually quite fascinating, the establishment of a Chazaka. Machlokas Rebbe and Rav Begam Liel. Is it three strikes and you're out? Well, we know three strikes and you're out, but that doesn't, does that mean that you should never attempt that third Swing, I'm getting carried away with the analogy, Barry. Point is, is it after two times, that third time is going to not be allowed because it'll be a chazaka? So for example, in the context of Mila, right, would you say that if two uh, babies were unable to withstand the procedure, you don't do it for a third baby? Or would you say, no, once you've established it three times, so now the fourth time you can't do the procedure? Well. That's quite an intense case because it's a matter of life and death, isn't it? It can be. And so are you going to, are you going to risk every, everything, put everything on the line for this machlokas? Maybe you should just be, you know, a little bit on the side of caution. So let's pick up over here. It says Bishlam, the Gemara says it could be. So that was relevant to us because we were talking about the woman just to bring it back around. Once she had no children, right, after 10-year stints with husband number one and husband number two, the question is, is she ever allowed to really get married again to a man who had not yet fulfilled Puravu? Because it would almost be, if you say that twice, I mean, she'd have to live a really long time and have like a really nice gesunta childbearing age window to be able to go through that a fourth time, right? Uh, but... So, but the question is, after 20 years, can a man who had not yet ever had children even be allowed to marry her? That would be the question. Is she already have, considered to have, as having a chazaka? And we tried to see, how do we hold, like Shem Gamliel, like Rebbe, and we compared it to Mila. And now over here, the Gemara says, Bishle Magabi Mila, which is about nine lines up from the bottom of Samach Tadamad Beis. Maybe those two cases are not entirely analogous because with regards to Mila some right uh, families have uh, blood that other families do not you know some families may have this clotting technically Rafe and Kamit is right viscous versus thin blood or thin is Rafe and Kamit is thick uh, yeah that may be how it's expressed, but right, we, we think of it in terms of, let's say somebody doesn't have any clotting factors, so then you do not do any surgical procedures because they'll never stop bleeding, they'll bleed out. So that's a genetic thing, right? You could have mishpachas that, that cannot have these surgical procedures, but mishpachas that do. And therefore, what's, what's the, what, what, what's lot? So therefore, in that case, maybe it's logical to assume, right, that if there's a genetic factor that you have to really look at the data and see, right, that we have to be more careful. After all, we've already had done this twice. Fool me twice. Shame on, or whatever, I don't, George Bush. You can't be fooled again, right? That's the point, that uh, after twice, you don't want to do it again. Ellen Nisuin, my timer, right? But Nisuin, what would be the reason, right, would, so I would say, so you could say, wait a minute, what do you mean you're suing my time? Why would you prohibit the, ma- the marriage? Uh, I mean, the, so, so there it's referring to the katlanis, right? 
That was the case we just skipped over. This is not talking, this is a different case of Nisun. The case of Nisun in our Mishnah is when she didn't have children, right, for 10 years with the first husband, then didn't have children for 10 years with the second husband. That too, one could presume, is a biological thing. She's obviously having trouble conceiving and having children. But here we're talking about the Katlanis, right? This, the, the case of, um, right, of a, a woman who's been married to two men, and they died. And that was the Brisa, right? The Brisa said that Rebbe said that three, the third one's not allowed to get married because she's considered uh, dangerous to be married to. And Rabbi Shem Gamliel said you, can't, you can marry the third one, but not the fourth one. The fourth man cannot marry her. Anyway, so eight lines up from the bottom, we're going to say like this. What would be this, the rationale sort of the biological, or maybe not the biological, what would be the rationale for this idea of the katlanis, that this woman can't marry uh, another man after having gone through two or three husbands? So, So the following, So Ravuna's shita was mayan, mayan is talking um, from her spring, which is to say from dying through being with her which is to say it's a form of like what we would call today an STD, right? She's got something. Then you catch it when you're with her and then that kills you. Ravashi Amar Mazal Gorem. Ravashi says, no, this is, this, is not, this is not a biological medical thing that, she's, that you're getting from her. She's just bad luck. What would be the difference? Well, well so what one difference would be, let's say, Every time you have Arison with her, you die right away. So that is mazal goring, right? That is not something you didn't contract anything from her because you didn't, you weren't with her. And therefore, if everybody that she gets engaged to dies right away, that would be mazal goring. You would go with Ravashi or Inami, the of Mace. Or another example of mazal goring would be not that you die from some sort of disease. Well, that would seem to be a medical thing. But here, everybody who marries her magically falls off the cruise ship on the honeymoon, <laughs> right? Or out of a tree, if we're going to interpret it literally. So uh, that is, uh, that's the example. Those are examples where obviously you can't ascribe a medical, uh, right? You can't, you can't draw a medical uh, condition and say that this, is, this must be the source of why her husbands are dying, but rather you would have to say mazal gori. Okay, fine. So now... Let's talk about a story with regards to the Machlokas Rebbe and Rishon Gamliel with regards to whether it's two or three uh, times that trigger the Chazaka as follows. I'm going to be the Rava. So Yosef, Rava's son, said to his father, Boy, me name me Rabbi Yosef, Halacha ke Rebbe. I once asked Rabbi Yosef, Is the Halacha like Rebbe? Right? Ramali, in. Okay. So he said, Yeah, the Halacha is like Rebbe. But then I asked him, Halacha ke Rabbi Shimon Gamliel? I said, Okay. Well, what about, is, is the Lach of Shem Gamliel? That's an interesting question. You've already asked, is the Lach of Greb? And he said, yes. Presumably on a, on a separate occasion he asked, is the Lach of Greb Shem Gamliel? Uh, right, as Rashi says, Upama Cheres, I asked him, right, on a different occasion. And as Rashi finishes off here, says, V'amali Alacha, Uchim Dumani Shesachak Bi. V'amali In. In other words, I asked him, is Allah like Rabbi? He said, yes. On a different occasion, I asked him, is Allah like a Shem Gamaliel? It doesn't give the backstory. But bottom line is, he said yes to that too. I'm really in. So, 
I said, Achuchi, Achichbi, are you making fun of me? Do you find me amusing? He thinks that he's messing with him because, after all, we know there's a machlokas of Shimon Gamliel and Rabbi, and he's telling him both times that the halacha is like the other one. So, which is it? Is it the halacha like Rabbi or like Shimon Gamliel? So, Amar Leila, I'm not messing with you. Stamihiu Pashatlach. All I'm telling you is we have Stam Mishnas that are in front of you, right? Stam Mishnas is what we Paskin like. And therefore, I, Pashatlach means I am giving you the Pshat or the halacha one way or another, according to those halachas, which is to say, sometimes we hold like Rebbe, and sometimes we hold like Hashem and Gamliel. Fascinatingly, it'll depend on the context, as the Gemara continues to explain. Nisuin Amalkias Karebi, the Vestos, or Vesasos, as it's uh, punctuated here, the Shorhamuad Kerb Shimon Gamliel. I was wondering where they were going to bring up the Shor Muad. You know, that's the most classic case of Chazaka. When they have the famous, uh, you know, sheet of, 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 uh, of Cook and the, um, the, the uh, Maharam, uh, the, the, the famous idea of, you know, what does it take to establish a Chazaka for, for Mashiv Aruch HaMarita Gashem and, um, and all of that. Uh, so the the comparison, the famous Torah is the comparison to the Shore Tom versus Shore Muad to establish a Chazaka. That one we know. We're going to read that in Babakama, right? We'll get into it. Let's read it inside. But the bottom line is we have multiple cases. What are these cases? Sunisuin, Malkius, and Karebi, Vestos, and Shore Muad, Kareb Shimon Gamliel. The Gemara is going to flesh this all out as follows. Nisuin, what's the case of Nisuin? Sahad Amon. That one we know. That's our Mishnah. That was talking about, you can't, that's the, Going back to what we were talking about, the two childless marriages, Labriot. So that's Nisuin, right? That's, in that, we hold like Rebbe, which is to say, our Mishnah, right? That's, our Mishnah is a Stam Mishnah, and it holds like Rebbe that after two times, and that's how we got into this whole thing in the first place. We, our Mishnah said that after two times, said, oh, after two times, uh, so then it's another, another, it said, after the first time, yes, after two times, already no, right? After twice, she can't marry somebody else. So that was Rebbe. Okay. Malkias, Kedetanan. So that we have a stop mission in Sanhedrin. It says, Mishalaka Vishana. This is a horrible thing. A person keeps doing the same Avera. This Avera is supposed to be Avera for which you get uh, Kares and they give you Malkus, right? So they give you, they give you this, this uh, Malkus, but he keeps doing it. So the first time you get Malkus, what if you have a repeat offender? So the first time you give him Malkus, the second time you give him Malkus again, and then Mishalaka Vashana, after the second time already, it says Bezin Konsinotolachipa. So now uh, we do a trick. It's a little bit mafioso here, Barry. But we're not gonna give him Malkus a third time, because this this dude is incorrigible. And the Mifarshim explained what gives us the right to do what we're about to do. But basically, we eliminate this because it's kind of like a Uviata Aramikir Becha application. Like when you have a real bad apple, we can't kill him. That wouldn't be good, but we can't not get rid of him. So we kind of make him disappear. You know what I'm saying? Like Giuliani did to the homeless back in the day in New York. All of a sudden, nobody's around. Why is, where did he go? Well, you put him in a cell. We kind of uh, give him lethal indigestion with barley. And, uh, and he disappears, you know, from, so to speak, natural causes. It seems a little mafioso, 
And it, again, it's an application that shows you how serious this is an incorrigible situation. Be that as it may, what does this have to do with anything? Well, what gives us the right to call him incorrigible? Sounds like he had Malchus a second time, and according to Rebbe, that would be enough to establish him as incorrigible. You don't get a third try. Wow. Okay, not for now. Maybe when we get to Sanhedrin, we'll, uh, we'll flesh out some of the um, Hashkafa here. Okay, so that's Rebbe, right? Malchus and Nisun, as we've seen. As we've seen. What about Vestos? Or Vesasos, that's Nida, the Tanan, Mishnah in Nida. Ein Ha'isha, as we finally arrived at Samachem and Aleph. Ein Ha'isha, Kovas, Leveses, Adshetiv, Kve'ena, Shalosh, Pa'amim. Right? So, you establish. Now, obviously, the Veset, we're not learning Nida now. Oh, Halavai, we should get to learn all of Nida. That would mean that we made it all the way, Barry. That would be amazing. Bezrat Hashem. So, you might recall from last cycle, no pun intended, that the woman, uh, at the time of what we call her veset, which would be like her usual interval, you already have to, right, practice her chakos. You have to already treat her in certain ways, like she's got a nida, even if she's not seeing dam, right? Even if she's not seeing the blood. But the veset isn't just coming out of thin air, right? Girl, for argument's sake, in the most extreme case, gets her very first, right, uh, period when she, like on, on the fifth of the month. But you can't just assume she's, you don't treat it as if she has a vested in the fifth of the following month. You don't even know what her pattern is going to be. Oh. How do you establish a pattern? So you'd say, oh, so t- maybe twice? No, three times. Three times establishes a pattern with respect to Vesasa. So it sounds like there we hold the Gershim and Gamaliel, right? And by the way, that pattern is assumed, right? If, if she established a pattern by going through it three times, so then we're going to assume that pattern, and if she goes off schedule, we're going to assume that that's an anomaly. We're going to still assume the original pattern until she shows, in order to get out of the pattern, she needs to show three times of being out of the pattern in order to establish a new pattern, okay? So be, suffice it to say that with respect to Nida, it's three consecutive times that establish her vessus, and that is in accordance with Rishim and Gamliel. And finally, the Shor Hamuad, Right, that's the case in Babakama, the Tanan. The Mishnah says, "Ain Ashur Nasimuad Ad Shia Idubo Shlosha Pamim." Muad technically means one who had been testified upon because they made edus on it three times, or maybe it means moed uh, that he's done it many times. We'll get there, but the point is, he's presumed to be a bull in a china shop, right? Supposed to be a destructive one. And that has a different, as we know, different uh, culpability on the owner. You're supposed to keep your shormuad under wraps. If your shormuad hurts somebody, the owner, as we will see, is going to uh, be, it's going to be more problematic, punished more severely, because that is a different status. Okay. And the bull, by the way, is going to be punished more severely. Okay. Now, for, so that, and, but it requires three times. It's not the third time. We see. The, I think the Gemara had a machlokas there, too. Um, but we will see that is the Stam Mishnah, at least, is according to Rishim and Gamliel. So we have two Stam Mishnahs like Rishim and Gamliel, two like Rebbe, and it all matters on the context as we've discussed. Very good. Two dots, four line down. Samachem et Aleph. Here we go. Back to the childless woman as follows. Taner Banim. Nisus Larishon. Veloayu Labanim. Lesheni Veloayu Labanim. Lishlishi Lotinase. So, as we've said, we go like Rebbe, that after two 10 year stints, uh, childless, you don't 
marry a third husband, unless, if he's already fulfilled Purvo, so you can, you can be married. But what would be the consequence if she did not follow the halacha and actually married a man who had not yet fulfilled and could, if he, uh, if he married somebody fertile, could have fulfilled Purvu. So what do you do? So then we say, because why? The chazaka for the akara, right? This is, this is actually, uh, has lambdas, a lot of lambdas embedded in it. This is what the Tosfos points out. In other words, it's, there is a conundrum here that the Mifarshim have to explain. Huh. Teitze belok suba. So we have a chazaka for the akara. Therefore, what, the question would be, what would give the third husband the right to marry her in the first place? And in other words, he had to have, I mean, if he knew, so that's a question, did he know? First of all, did the third husband know? And if he did, so then he married her willingly, right? The only, re- the only way that she would be going out with Belok Suba is if he could say, well, this was a Mekah right? This was, this, the, I, I presume I, that I would be able to have children with her. I wanted to be Mekayim Puravu. And so the whole, the whole marriage was under, right, a, um, a mis- misunderstanding. And therefore, maybe then she would go out with Belok Suba. This is basically kicked around by the Mepharshim over here. And so the Tosfos has a fascinating thing where it says that with regards to Mammon, right, this is not a Chazaka. And therefore, that is why she can't extract the, the, the Mammon for, from him. It's, uh, right, it, it's, it's actually a lot deeper, like most of this, like most of any Masechta, but certainly over here, there's a lot here because of the fact that it's not so Pashut that the same mechanism uh, wouldn't apply both to the fact that she would have to divorce her and to the ksuba. But be that as it may, that was the, that's the halacha, that she, that if she marries, she goes and she doesn't get a ksuba because again, she wasn't supposed to get married to him in the first place. Again, what makes it complicated is that she doesn't have the mitzvah purvu, as we'll see. So she's allowed to get married in a certain way because she's not, she's not being mevatel any mitzvah. But on the other hand, she is being mevatel the mitzvah of the third husband, in a sense, directly or indirectly. And that's where you start digging this up. This is all, well, the rest of this uh, omud over here is all really discussing that issue. I remember in Passaic, Rabbi Yisrael Yari Kamenetsky, affectionately referred to as Rabbi Yissi Kamenetsky Shlita uh, in DRS, the, uh, the uh, Menahel for many years already at this point. So that was before the RBS days, before the Mapi Chemish days. So right around 1999 or 2000, he started a shear. He used to live in Passaic, and we used to live in Passaic, and he gave shear in Minchas Chinuch. So he discussed the first mitzvah of Puravu and these kinds of cases of on whom is the mitzvah. Most people who start reading, learning Minchas Chinuch Keseder are well aware of these sugyas because this, this went on for weeks, this discussion. So anyways, Ibailu. So let's see. What's Allah about whether the first husband can demand her ksuba? Don't forget, if it turns out that she didn't have children and she's basically unable to have children, so then wait a minute, even the first Baal can, can claim his ksuba, right? Because after all, when she got divorced from him after 10 years, right, the halacha is that she gets her ksuba, but but now it's Lemafreya been determined that she's in, in, incapable of conceiving children. Can the first husband claim 
that had I known that she couldn't have children, I would not have ever married her? That's mean. Doesn't seem right. So the question is, Can they say to her, Like, would the first husband be able to say, hey, when we separated after 10 years, uh, it was unclear which one of us couldn't have kids. But guess what? I'm married to Sprinter now. We have 11 kids. And you have been married to multiple men now, and you can't have kids. So now I can see that it's your fault. Or maybe she can return to him and say, listen, uh, you were the reason why I couldn't have kids. Now I'm weaker. You know why I'm weaker? Because, well, she, doesn't, she says it could be that I'm, I'm weaker now, but had I been married to a man who was virile, um, in, initially I would have been able to conceive in those younger days. Maybe she could say that back to him. So that's the question. So the Gemara says, It's reasonable to assume that, it, that she could tell him that she could have had children earlier. You might say, what do you mean? Why is that reasonable to assume? Yeah, it's reasonable to assume because, again, in this case, he's already paid her the ksuba. He's extracting from her. The burden of proof is on him, right? And he doesn't know for sure. There's no way that he could prove for sure that she could not have had children earlier, necessarily. It could be that medically today, maybe he could. But presumably then, we're talking about chazakas and assumptions. He cannot claim that kind of assumption. Okay, a second question. That's question number one. So in that case, the first husband does not, does not get back his ksuba money, okay? Second question. Okay, so now she's married a fourth son. And wow, she went through three stints of 10 years each with husbands that could not, and she could not bear the children. And all of a sudden now, fourth husband's a charm, she's had 11 kids. Mo, this is a quite a persistent, resilient woman. Mo, so wait a minute. We said that the halacha with regards to this husband is like Rebbe, but the third time, she goes out below Ksuba. That was, the, that was what we said right away over here. Um, that was the brysa. Oh, but if she has kids with the fourth, the fourth man, Turns out it was the husband's all along. So could she go back and extract the ksuba from the third husband? Mind you, the first and the second husband already paid her, right? They gave her the ksuba. But the third husband, the Allah says, does not have to pay her. So could she go back to him now that she showed, demonstrated that she could bear children? I'm reading lost. We say no. We say to her, you know what? Better you keep this one on the DL. That's the down low, Barry, for, for your generation. What does this mean? Yeah, don't... Uh, don't make a big deal out of this. Why? Because guess what? The Matsuyamala, he'll say to her, you know what? Had I known that you were able of uh, capable of marrying children, I would have gone back on the Garrison. And the Garrison was a so to speak, a tos. Oh. Once you are, what's the implication? What's the ramification of the Garrison being a tos? The Garrison being a tos turns out whatever kids you had with husband number four are now Mamzerim because you're still considered married to the third man. So don't open up that Pandora's box, right? Don't, better just leave it. Don't go back for your ksuba. You're going to pay dearly for that ksuba, okay? So to this, we don't know. Matkiflar Papa, Ihi Shatka, by the way, Anon Mishat Kinon, Rav Papa is very concerned now. He says, wait a minute. We're telling her, be quiet, because this creates a bigger problem. Well, it's not necessarily her protest that, and her being Tovea, the Ksuba, that we need to be concerned about. Maybe we should, Taka, be concerned about the reality of the situation. 
I mean, maybe it is in fact true that that third Gershon, it, it can be brought into question. Uh, perhaps even in the absence of her protest, we have to be concerned about those children of the fourth husband being Mamzer. Like, what's going on? So says the Gemara. In other words, she should be quiet. Anan Mishat Kinan, but we know the deal. Should we be quiet? Nimsa get batel, mamzerin. You know, that last get really probably, not probably, almost certainly was under the assumption that she could not have children. I mean, that's the reason why this divorce happened. They were getting along fine. So this is a problem. Is that get valid? So says the Gemara, El Amin and Hashtahu Debraisa, Debriyasa, Debariyasa. This word is coming from the, right, the Hebrew word bryut, meaning, now, you don't have to be that concerned. We could say she had some sort of condition and her fertility returned to her now that she became healthy under the uh, fourth husband, which is to say, and that's okay, kind of, because the get, the issue, I guess, wouldn't be, you know, you could turn around and say, had I known that she would be, uh, that she would be healed, I perhaps wouldn't have divorced her. You could say that. But at the time of the divorce, she was not. She was sick. So as long as, or she was unable to bear children, which is, right? So, so that's okay. That's enough to not reverse the get. At the time of the divorce, uh, she was unable to conceive, and therefore the, we're not going to give, make an issue out of that get. Okay. So now two dots, five lines up. Let's talk about some some uh, court cases here about a husband divorcing his wife and what happens with the ksuba as follows. Hu amar Okay. Fi says, right, because we sort of hear, hu amar vihi amar Okay, they're going into court now and they're talking about blaming each other about who's, who's responsible for this infertility. So amar rabiyami, dvarim shebeinolavei na, namenis. Well, when it comes to Things between a husband and wife, the woman is not menace. But time am I, because he What this means is yorikechetz means um, the shooting out like an arrow, which is to say that a man, if he's unable, right, to produce any any emissions, so that the woman will be able to tell. Uh, and so, if he can't do that, right. So then she knows that he's the issue. As opposed to the woman, her inability to conceive, that's all in the machinery internal. You can't tell. There's no way that a man would be able to tell. So really, who is this kind of nudnik to say, this husband, to say that, she, that there's something wrong with her? He couldn't possibly know. He's not a doctor. This is Middle Ages. He doesn't know anything. You know what I mean? Oh, he's, okay, he's confident. He's like, yeah, I'm the man. But he doesn't know. He doesn't know what he can and cannot do. She, if she sees something, she might actually be seeing something physical, external, that tells her. And that's why we believe her, because she may have Raglaimla Dover, right? She may have some physical evidence, where he has no clue what's going on in there, okay? And that's why we believe her, okay? Amar Ihu, but if the husband said, Ezel Insiv Isisa, you know what? Okay, I'll prove you that I'm the man. Let me go marry somebody else. V'ivduk nafshai. And then you'll see. Who's the man? I'm going to have kids with this woman, and then you'll see that it's the woman's fault. So, Ravami, Af Bazu, Ksuba. Yeah, guess what? There, Ravami holds, he still has to give her the Ksuba. Shani Omer Anybody who marries a second woman, once you've married a first wife, 
and, and then if you marry a second woman against the first wife's will, you have to give a ksuba. You have to bring that in. Nosa isha al ishta means against her will. Yotzi visen ksuba. You have to give a ksuba to that first woman. And Rava Amar, Nosa Adam kama nashim al ishto vehuda isle limaiznini, which is to say, Rava says, you know what? I have a different patent. I'll say like this. You can marry as many women as you want, right? And in fact, if it turns out that you have children with the other, with the other wives, then maybe you won't have to pay the ksuba, but guess what? You're going to have to support her all along. In other words, do what you want, but you can't, but I'm going to make you pay for Amazonos, right? Until you've done this shtick. So you're going to go through this whole procedure in this charade. That's fine, but you cannot marry her bleak suit. You cannot, right, take your ksuba and run to begin with. With the assumption that you're going to prove that you that you're the one that's not at fault, that you can have kids all that while while you're trying to prove it, you're going to be supporting that first wife. That was his idea. So now as we turn Samachem and Beis, who Amar the uh, the uh, next case, he says Apalt bego Eser. Now here's here's the machlokas. He says that at some point during the past ten years, um, I was not obligated to divorce you. He wants to keep her around. He's Wants to keep stay married. I and, and and again today this is not an issue anymore. We don't paskin like this. But in those days there was a question whether he would be chayiv right because it would be mavatel his puravu, and therefore he doesn't want to divorce her. So he claims that at one point she had a miscarriage, as we've said in the Mishnah. Once you have a miscarriage, you restart the clock for the ten years. However, Yamar law appealed. She's just saying either because it's true or because she wants to stay married. She says. You know, who's, want, who's going to want to marry her now? That's a good question. Right? That's a problem. So she wants to, uh, no, she wants to get out of it. She's, she's done with this marriage. So she says, no, or maybe she's just being honest. She's saying, no, I didn't have a miscarriage, which is to say, she's just telling the truth, let's say, and she says, I did not have a miscarriage. So I remember, Ami, Apazui, Nemes. Of course, he would know. The Imisa, she would know. The Imisa, the Hipila, Nafta, Barakarta, Lamachzaka. Because if it was true that she had a miscarriage, she would not want to hide it and, and sweep it under the rug because, again, she has nothing to gain. If she says, I did not have a miscarriage, that means she should not conceive. And then, again, who's going to want... That's tough for Shiduchim. You've been married once already and you never conceived over 10 years. She's not putting herself in a good spot. Therefore, she has Nehemonis, right, uh, to say that. However, here's a, another dispute. Hipila... Let's say she did miscarriage. V'chazer yipila, miscarriage again. V'chazer yipila. Now she has three miscarriages. V'chmanel itzlan. That's another thing. That's a different kind of thing. That's another type of chazaka, where three times she had miscarriage, so we know she can conceive, but it doesn't seem like she can bear healthy children. And there, apparently, the assumption is that he must divorce her too. It's a terrible thing. So who amar ipila trey, be amar tlas. So once we've established that halacha, what if he says she had two miscarriages and we stay married? But she said, I tell you the truth, I had three. Now I have a chazaka, right, of having lost children. This case actually came before us in, in the base medrash. We believe her. Because if it were true that she had not missed, missed a third time, right, she wouldn't want to lie about that because for the same reason as before, just like she has nothing to gain by establishing herself as 
barren and incapable of conception, she also has nothing to gain by establishing herself as incapable of, of having healthy kids. And therefore, when she says that, she's basically putting herself in a bind, and she has the nemanus, and we believe the woman. So, bottom line, Barry, believe the woman. Next. This is the Mishnah um, that, that the Minchas Chinuch will kick around for days. Ha'ish mitzuva al avaloha isha. Who has the mitzvah period of Rivia? Tanakam says, the man, not the woman. However, Rabbi Omer, al both of them, who Omer. Yeah, the Torah is talking about both of them. That's what I would have said. Because look at the Pasuk. Says the Pasuk, sounds multiple, right? He's talking to both Adam and Chava. So what, what are we talking about? How could you say that it's only on the man? Says the Gemara as follows. Minon Emili. Amar Abilai Mishim Rulazar Shimon. Amar Kra Umilu Arts Vechivshua. Yeah, it says Puravu Umilu Arts Vechivshua. Ish Darka Lichvosh. Ve'en Isha Darka Lichvosh. Classic source here that it's only the man's, man is a conqueror. And therefore, even though it says it in the plural, once it says that also part of the job is to conquer the earth, the land, so then it must be referring only to the man. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? You know what? It's saying that the women should take over the world also. It says to both of them, fill the land, conquer the land. It sounds like he's talking to both of them for all of those things. So what are you talking about? Yeah, it might read but it's written without a vav, and therefore, it's trying to tell you a singular thing. And if it's only talking to one of them, it must be talking about the man. Okay? Or, so that's one possibility why the Tanakham thinks it's only on the man. Rabbi Yosef has a different source. You know, that's also in Bracious, later on, Lamed Hay. It says it in the singular. This is when he's talking about the Yaakov Avinu. I would have said, eh, I like the first shot. As much as I don't like the first shot, I like it a little better because prayer of a, he's talking to Yaakov Avinu. <laughs> there is no other, right? He's not really, he's talking only to a to, to single person, you see? So it makes more sense in that context to say prayer of a. I understand, but it's a limud, so nonetheless, okay. Let's, so now some Muslim. Adam Just like there's a mitzvah, this is an unrelated comment, of Lazar of Shimon, now that we had already, uh, you know, we've had these non-sequiturs, now that we've already quoted one thing, we'll quote another thing from him. Just like a, it's a mitzvah for a person to hear a musr, it's also a mitzvah not to say musr to somebody who won't accept it. Rabbi Abba Omer, Chova, Shenema al Tochach, Leitz, Penisanecha, Hochach Lechacham, Biavecha. Not only is it a mitzvah to not tell somebody Musr when you know they're ignore it, but it is a chova, it's a chiv to not give Musr in a case where you're talking to a nudnik because it says, don't rebuke a late. Why? Because he's going to hate you. So you're, what you're doing is you're just instigating hate and spreading negativity and hate and you're not accomplishing anything. That's a pasuk from Mishle. Okay, another third unrelated statement from Mishim Revelazor, Amar Revelazor, Mishim Revelazor, Mishim Ah, we, the, the kids sing Midvar Sheker Tirchak, never tell a lie. Well, that's not, I wouldn't say it's the opposite of what, what Midvar Sheker Tirchak, but Tirchak means you should distance always when you can. You should always distance yourself. We recently had in the Gemara from words of, remember we had that in the Shalom Bayis, 
with a horrible wife and the husband and, and Rebbe Chia, uh, uh, or Rebbe kid would, would lie about what the request was. Was it lentils or the other food, right? So the, his father said, I, I, I like what you did there. You're a sharp cookie, but you should stay away from lies where possible. However, bidvar shalom, to create shalom bias, mutter. What's the case? Shanamar, avicha tziva. Yeah. Yosef, <laughs> he saw his father was dead. So the brothers said, once Yaakov Inu passed, they thought that Yosef was going to go kill him. So for shalom, this is an unusual case of shalom. This is an unusual case of shalom bias. They were saving their own skin. They told him, lo hayav lo niver, Rashi says, right? Yaakov lo tziva, elahem shinu mipnei darkei shalom. This is a funny darkei shalom. Yeah, they said a whole thing. Look at the Pasuk. They say to Yosef, hey, you know, his dying wish was for you to not mess with us after he died. That's what Yosef's brother said to Yosef. Uh, okay, but he never said it. <laughs> that was not true. That was never a conversation. However, that they said it. Why? Because of Darke Shalom. Yeah, that's a self-serving Darke Shalom. They're saving their own skins. Anyway. Right? Um, right, they said your father gave orders, so take the and they, and they not only that, they doubled down on this lie. These guys were, uh, you know, the Shifte cup. They lied once to their father, that was not for Darke Shalom. They said, right, that, that, that look, that was for Darke, the opposite of Shalom. That was for Machlokas. That became a cause for all the Machlokas and cholesterol for, for ages, right? You have to have Achdus. Here, they were saving their skin, but also creating achdus. Here they lied again, and it was a nice elaborate lie. Anna, sana, give to the spiteful deed of your brothers, forgive. They had a whole speech, a whole nusach of what Yaakov Avinu's speech was to them in his dying days to, to, to make the speech sound more believable when they're telling it to Yosef. Lahayav Nivra, guys, they never said that speech. That was a made up oratory in order to uh, make it more believable to sell this lie to Yosef. Meanwhile, Yosef never had intentions of killing him in the first place, but they weren't taking any chances. All right, Rabbi Nassim Omer. So that's an example of you're supposed to, you can lie for Darkei Shalom. Can you? Rabbi Nassim doubles down on that. He said, mitzvah, what do you mean? You can and you should. For Darkei Shalom, of course. Shinamar, what's the case? When Hashem said Shmuel to anoint Dovin instead of Shaul, so Shmuel said, how can I go? He's going to kill me. I mean, Shaul's out of his mind right now. This is Shmuel Aleph. So the Hemshech of that Pasuk is not mentioned in the Gemara. But the Hemshech was, Hashem gives him the elaborate ruse. Said, take along a cow. Say, uh, I, I came to bring an offering to Hashem. Make some sort of subterfuge, right? We always ask with uh, Yaakov Avinu and the Brachas. That wasn't Darche Shalom, so it's not mentioned here. In those cases, in these cases that are brought down in the Gemara, it's like a real intense case of Darche Shalom where you're saving your skin from getting killed. Yeah, well, when a person kills another person, that's not dark, that, that always leads to bad problems anyway. So that's extreme cases of Darche Shalom. You know, you have to ask your local Orthodox rabbi uh, about Darche Shalom, but we know they're supposed to say Kal Navachasuda, no matter what, right? There are cases where you color, you, uh, you, you uh, frame things in a certain way so as to. Uh, paint a more beautiful sh- uh, picture of Darche Darche Noam. But uh, anyway, let's extend that idea. Right? Even a Karsh Baruch Hu does this. Sometimes he changes it up. Yeah, what happened? The 
right, the report that Sarah was going to have a child. Sarah laughs, and she says, that's impossible. My husband, right, the wife always knows, my husband is, is an old man. Yeah, but that's not what Hashem said to Avram that Sarah said. Hashem goes to Avram, and he doesn't say, you know, she thought you were an old man. She said she said of herself that she's old. So we see, sometimes changes the meaning for the sake of Shalom. Now, this makes more sense, right? Because this is a Shalom bias. Nobody's going to kill anybody here. But for the sake of Shalom bias, he changes the Lashon over here. Great. Okay, in the next part of the Mishnah, what do you say? That both man and woman have the Chiv of Puravu. Right, they, that was a machlokas, whether a woman also have the chiv of purvu. So, why? It sounds like Rabbi Yochanan may have been the one that said that the halacha is that the purvu is only in the man. Why? The Yasiv Rabbi Abau, the common Mishmaid of Yochanan, halacha, Radrinu Rabbi Ami Rabbi Yasiv Leapayu. Because one time Rabbi Abau said that the halacha is like Rabbi Yochanan, and he said this halacha. He said that Rabbi Yochanan held like Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka, and when he said that, Rabbi Avi and Rabbi Asi turned their backs to him. Sounds like they held, they were the authorities on this. They turned their back to him, they held that he did not hold like Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka. He held like the Tanakhama. The Ikadami, some say that Rabbi Abba Amar, Vajrina Rabbi Avi Barasi Lapayu, that it wasn't Rabbi Abba, but it was Rabbi Abba, be that as it may, Rabbi Avi and Rabbi turned their backs to him. To which our Papa comments, our Papa Right? In other words, it's like this. Ravami and Ravasi turned their backs in both of these versions of the story. Now, had it been Rabbi Abo, that makes sense because they were not going to get in his face because he, after all, he had connections to, to the Caesar's royal palace. They weren't going to mess with him. They were going to treat him. Uh, with a lower level of disrespect by turning their backs. It's pretty disrespectful, but at least they weren't going to get into his face. Yeah, they were buddies with Rukhiya Baraba. They would have just talked to him directly. They were just getting his face, and no, he did not say that. Oh. Be that as it may, it sounds like Ravami and Ravasi know that he did not hold like Rabbi Yochanan Baroka, that Rabbi Yochanan held like the Tanakama. Okay, any further indications to how he held? What do we say in the end? Tashma, let's see. Here we go. The story. He had this Shaila in, in right, Kesaria. Rabbi Yochanan was the big other Lador. He was the Rav of the Shul, and they, and they come to him. What was the case? Childless woman wanted to be divorced because her husband was infertile. And he said, he has, he said, he has to divorce her and he has to pay her ksuba. That was the case. Right? That was the, the, the halacha of Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka. That he has to divorce her and pay her ksuba. Okay. Okay. But if you had said that she's not chayev in Puravu, ksuba maya vidasa. So what does a ksuba have to do here? In other words, we're assuming here that the reason she's not entitled to the ksuba right, is because she could have stayed married to her husband, but decided that she wants to stay married. But that only makes sense that she's not entitled to Aksuba if she has a chiv, right? If she doesn't have a, if she doesn't have a chiv, so then you, there's no relevance here to the Aksuba, right? Okay. Apparently, 
Rabbi Yochanan held that she doesn't get her ksuba, in other words, because she's not allowed to stay. But if she has no chiyuv, then she's allowed to stay. It has nothing to do with her. That's what it means. The Gemara said, no. Dilma bevaa machmas taina. No. She's allowed to stay married, but Rabbi Yochanan gave her the ksuba because, right, of a valid claim. Why? Ki haida asai lakameida rami. Because we had the following case of Rabbi Ami. She said, give me Ksuba. So Amrla Zil. And Rabbi said to her, no, go away from here. Lomi Pagd. Because you're what? You're not Chayiv. Because you're not Chayiv, you will forfeit your Ksuba. It could be the other way. In other words, if you insist on getting divorced, even though you don't have the Chayiv, then you're going to forfeit your Ksuba. So Amrla, Yeah, but if I stay with this man, what will be of me? Which is to say, what are we saying here? Like this. Does it matter whether she has a chiyav per uh, or not? Let's say she doesn't have a chiyav of pervu, but she wants to have kids. Who's going to take care of her in her old age? Or forget about who's going to take care of her. Women want to have children. And so she's entitled to want to have children. Ah, hear the, hear the part? That's the point. In other words, he says, Yeah, claim like this. We will force the husband to divorce her and still give her ksuba. Why? Because it's not necessarily because she's mechayev in the mitzvah. That's not the raya. It's just because she's entitled to want to have kids. And therefore, we don't say, oh, just because you want to have kids, we're not going to give you the ksuba. No. She's entitled to want to have kids. Therefore, she's entitled to want to get out of her marriage when she knows that she's not going to have kids. And therefore, despite the fact that she's asking out, she still does not forfeit her ksuba. That's the point that Rav Ami said. And therefore, because he said that, therefore the halacha where Rabbi Yochanan paskin that she's entitled to her ksuba is not necessarily an indication of whether she has a chiv for or not. It's just an indication that she's entitled to want to get married to a man where she can have children. Oh. Furthermore, he said, you don't have a chiv of having children. Yeah, but does not woman want to have what? What do you want me to be 119 years old and carry a cane in one hand and a shovel with the other and bury myself? In other words, who will bury me if I do not have children? You know what? You're right. We're going to have to force this divorce and still give her a ksuba. Wow. There were twins. The sons of Rebbe he had twins. This was the craziest case of twins you've ever seen. Twins, how many minutes apart are you guys? Oh, we're three months apart. One was at the beginning of seven months, one was the beginning of ninth month. Worst, worst labor of all time. She was in, must have been in labor for three months. She had twins and they were three months apart. So you heard this divisu de Rebichia, how about Tsar Leda? Yeah, you think? That was the mother. She had Tsar Leda. Shnai Mana. So she changed her clothes to disguise herself. This is the lengths she went to. And she went to Rebchir, her husband, and Amr Islam Pagda Piravira. Is the woman Chayvim Puravu? She wants to get out of ever having be pregnant again. She doesn't, can't go through this again. Amr Lalo, he says, there's no Chayvim Puravu. Azla Ishte Samada Karta, she did a very intense thing. She drank a serum that made her sterile. She could never go through this pregnancy again. But yeah, at the end, she couldn't re, uh, resist telling him the truth. So Amr Iku Yilat Lichada Kresa Achrisa. Halavai could have had another. Womb full of children. Why do you do this? To Amar Mar, Yehuda Vachiski Achi, Pazi Vitavi is his kids' names. In other words, we could have had another set of twin girls. Achvasa, right? So she did that. But still, it's, see, we see that she did not uh, have a chiv. 
In other words, he paskin that she didn't have a chiv, which is why she allowed herself to do that. Okay. The question is, are women not commanded to, to procreate? As we have some chvav and and we have a minute left, but we don't have a minion left, so let's just finish the parak. There's a case of a woman that was a The rabbis forced her, right, to make her ben choren. Is not, is that not an indication that we would, that she has a chiv of peruvu, and that's why they did it? Says the Gemara, that's not the reason. They made him, uh, we her because they were treating her like, uh, like, um, violating her all the time because of her status. But once she gains a better status of a bas chorin, then they would leave her alone, and that was the reason. Therefore, there is no mitzvah, looks like we conclude, on the woman in Peru or Vu. Bezrat Hashem, so Hadron Vimto Bezrat Hashem will resume tomorrow with the Parakal Manalakoin Gadol and Daf Samachvav Ahmed Aleph.